You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. You're listening to Represent on Sin. Joining me today is Peter Murphy, the sitting member for the federal seat of Dunkley. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Peter. Would you like to start off by telling us about your work as a Labor MP for Dunkley and a bit about yourself in general? Thank you very much, Mimi. Thank you for having me on your show and thank you for having this show and for interviewing people for the federal election. You know, a lot of people talk about the fact that they never hear from politicians or they don't know if politicians are real people or not. Um, And what you're doing is giving your listeners an opportunity to hear from us and also giving people like me an opportunity to speak to young people. So it's really important what you're doing and I'm really pleased that you're doing it. So as you just introduced me, I am the federal member for Dunkley, which if people don't know, is in southeast Melbourne. It's mainly the area of Frankston City Council boundaries. So um, Frankston on the beach, Seaford, Carrumdown, Sky, uh, Sandhurst, Lang Warren, um, Frankston, Frankston South, and then Mount Eliza, which is partly in the Mornington Peninsula Shire. So it's a beautiful part of the world. Um, I am the first Labor person to hold this seat for 23 years. Uh, And my job as the MP has been pretty interesting over the last three years with COVID. Um, I think one of the most important things I've had to do is try to help to keep the community connected at a time when often we were stuck in our home for every day except for an hour a day. Um, And social media could become either quite toxic or a really good way of keeping people connected. Um, So a lot of my work, I did things like interview, you know, local headspace, uh, local um, job service providers for young people, local footy clubs and basketball and netball clubs about how they were getting through lockdown, how they were helping other people get through lockdown, what services were available. So that, and I held Facebook Live community um, question times and forums where people could talk about the things that were important to them. And then what I did is take all of that to Canberra. So when we were debating, you know, things like whether there should be a wage subsidy, which turned into JobKeeper, um, whether it should look after casual workers or not, because a lot of young people are casual workers, uh, what happens with Centrelink and the NDIS, um, Better NBN, all those sorts of things. Um, I take the stories and the lives of people that I represent to Canberra and say, well, this is why we have a certain view in my electorate, for example. You know, there were 280 or something like that um, people, mostly young, some a bit older, who worked casually at the local aquatic centre who lost their jobs because JobKeeper didn't cover them. So one of the important things I tried to do was try to persuade the federal government to change that to look after these young people during COVID. Um, So that's a bit of my work. Uh, As for me, um, I've lived down here for over a decade. My husband born and bred down here and um, I came down here with him. Um, I grew up in country New South Wales. My parents were public school teachers and educators. So I'm a public school girl where sport um, and community were really important. I'm the eldest of three girls. So we did a lot of talking about women being leaders and being able to be tough and strong and brave as well as, you know, wearing a a skirt and putting on makeup um, when you wanted to. 
And I grew up in a time that you've only read about in books, Mimi, um, but the federal government was uh, Bob Hawke and Paul Keating um, were the two prime ministers that I looked up to who had big visions for the country. So I always got told that um, politics was actually about government and good government, not about individuals getting power. So that's the attitude I've always brought to everything I did. And I've done a bunch of different jobs from cleaning to... Um, coaching gymnastics and being um, an educator, but I spent the la before I was in Parliament about a decade and a half in the criminal justice system. I was a senior public defender at Legal Aid. So I spent most of my time as a lawyer um, working with some of the most disadvantaged people facing difficult and damaging situations. Um, so I think I know a little bit about how hard some people's lives are. It's so great to hear how much effort you've put into the young people and policies as well regarding that. So you kind of already, I guess, answered one of my first questions. Um, you talk about how you've done, you've done some stuff around sport and um, you've upgraded the Frankston Basketball Stadium and the Emil Madsen Reserve. Um, and you talk about casual jobs. Um, can you name some of the other policies and what Labor's doing more broadly that would appeal to younger voters and our younger audience? Yeah, I'm very happy to. I've got to slightly correct you about basketball and Emil Madsen Reserve. We want to upgrade them. Um, and I've been asking the Morrison government for money to upgrade them for three years and they wouldn't give us the money for it. So I've made an election commitment to do it. Now the Morrison government says they want to do it, which is funny, right? Because there's an election on, things seem to change. But I mean, I... I that sort of stuff about sports facilities is really important because it's often where people, particularly young people, have their most connections and their sense of community. And particularly sometimes if life is hard in your family or school, it's your sporting club that provides you with that sense of belonging. So I think they're really important. I think from what I've heard going to all of the schools in the electorate many times um, and having... Uh, people come out the front of my office with a student strike for climate, for example, and going to the one in the city a few years ago, that one of the most important issues to young people is climate change. Um, one of the things that young people really want to see is that people like me who are a bit older understand that climate change is real, that we as um, leaders have to do something about it, and also that we see it as not just the crisis that it is, but an opportunity as well for secure, well-paid, interesting jobs. So I think that one of Labor's policies that I know locally young people are really interested in, and I think more broadly are interested in, is our policy on climate change. You know, legislating net zero by 2050, not just saying we'll do it, but actually legislating it. 43% reduction of emissions by 2030, 85% of the energy grid being renewable energy. And really importantly, investing in things like um, apprenticeships in renewable energy, investing in fee-free TAFE and university courses um, that are about skill shortages, but are about helping young people to get the skills and education and training they need so that we can become a renewable energy superpower in this country. And we can invest in manufacturing and all the things that go around renewable energy, which are really smart, interesting jobs that bring down emissions and also give people um, a really positive work life to contribute to the economy. Yeah, it's really great. I think it's exactly what young people want to see, that connection between 
climate change and how we're going to get a job. Let's link that back to, so you talk about um, housing affordability and security on your website. Yep. Can you explain Labor's Housing Australia Future Fund and how it will also benefit young people? I can. Thank you for asking. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you, it's uh, being able to afford a house, but also being able to afford to rent a house is really getting harder and harder. And in my community, rent's a real problem. It's going up and it's taking away most people's incomes. So what I want to do federally is um, have a, it's called a housing future fund. So have an investment of money that is used to then build social and affordable housing. So some of what we normally think of as public housing, um, but also housing that um, might cost a little bit, but is more affordable. And what we want to do is have 30,000 new dwellings, um, at least 10,000, which are affordable homes. So people who want to be frontline workers, so nurses, ambulance officers, you know, cleaners who need to work close to where they work, uh, sorry, live close to where they work, but often can't afford to, can have somewhere that's affordable to live. We want to have housing um, that is put aside for particularly women and their children who are fleeing domestic violence because it's a really um, difficult time to find accommodation when there's um, a marriage breakdown, particularly domestic violence, and more housing um, for people who just their income means that they can't afford to save money um, to get a mortgage. So we've got that housing um, futures fund and that would apply for the whole country um, and for people regardless of their age. We've got another policy which is help to buy, which is where uh, if you can't save up the entire mortgage, if you've got 2% of what you need um, as a deposit for a mortgage, the government would then put up about 40% um, so that you could get the mortgage and then you would over time be paying off your mortgage and also paying off what the government put up to help you get the house. So they're not the only answers. There's a lot more things that need to be done, but I think there are a couple of good things that a federal government can do um, to try to help people get into home. Um, what are some of the ways that like this could be applied to Dunkley specifically? So like um, the job security, housing, how are you going to make sure there's a better life for families? That's a really good question. Um, some of these things have to happen nationally and then they apply everywhere. So for example, um, changing the definition of casual in the Fair Work Act, which is the law that regulates um, work in this country, so that your boss can't just say to you, no, no, you're not a permanent worker, you're a casual worker, so you don't get sick leave, you don't get um, holiday pay, you don't get some of your other entitlements. Saying, well, actually, if you are working in every way, shape and form that looks like you're working permanently, then you should be entitled to these sorts of things like sick pay and holiday pay and making that clear in the Fair Work Act. Um, another thing that's really important to young people more and more who are working in the gig economy, so becoming Uber drivers or sometimes even working in cleaning or security through a, an app or labour hire is to say, well, again, just because you're not um, directly employed by the place you're going to work doesn't mean that you shouldn't get paid the same people who are as people who are directly employed. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't get the minimum wage at least um, and change the law to make sure that happens. So if that happens nationally, that will be really good locally. One of the other things we can do locally is invest in, we've got a TAFE, we've got a university, and we've got a really great um, industrial precinct with some really good local manufacturers. So if we can invest in helping 
um, the local manufacturers to be able to take on more people who are also getting apprenticeships or training at TAFE, um, help more placements for people at university and help the local manufacturers to be smart, renewable, good manufacturers, then it becomes a, a cycle where people locally can get a good education and also get a good job. Um, and I think that's really important. So federal labor has got a policy for 20,000 more university places and um, fee-free TAFE in areas where school shortages are. So if you can believe this, in Australia, we don't have enough people who are trained to be welders and plumbers. And lots of the businesses locally really need welders and plumbers. So a really great idea is to say, well, you can get fee-free courses at TAFE and more apprenticeships to help you become a builder and a plumber, helps the local business, helps locals get jobs. Thanks, Peter. I have one more question. So in 2019, you won this seat for Labor, as you said at the beginning, and it was for the first time that Labor won the seat since 1993. Success for political parties in winning this seat is often determined by electoral boundaries. How confident are you that you will win this seat again this election? Well, you're never really confident until Anthony Green calls it on the ABC on election night. It feels pretty positive. So the electoral boundary helped a little bit in 2019, but it made it notionally a 1% Labor seat. And I won with 2.7% margin. So, you know, we got extra votes on top of the redistribution. Um, and what I feel like is happening and I hope happens is that um, people look at two things. One is how hard I've worked as their local member for three years and and everything I've done that we've talked about during the pandemic and in Canberra. Um, and then they also look at the really positive policies that I've got and that Labor's got for the future. Um, and they decide to back me in so I can keep doing that. I also think, Mimi, and again, you and your listeners know this um, better than I do, but I, I think people are really sick of um, politicians who promise the world and don't deliver, of really bullying, macho, arguing sort of behaviour, um, of scandals uh, that are both about sexual harassment, but also things that look a bit fraudulent and corrupt and nothing happening. So um, hopefully people will look at how I've conducted myself over three years and see that I've tried to be positive and I work with other people, you know, I set up the Parliamentary Friends of Women's Health with a Liberal Member of Parliament so we could do it together. Um, but I've also held the Morrison government to account for things like not having an integrity commission um, and not standing up for gender equality, LGBTIQ plus rights, um, people with disability, you know, people who need us to say, we've got your back. So that's what I'm hoping people will see that I'm someone who does that. That's great. So thanks so much for joining me. It was really lovely to listen to you and to hear that you care about um, people our age and as you said yeah all those minority groups it's really important to a lot of our listeners so I really thank you for coming on oh thank you thank you for the opportunity and to you and all your listeners this is a every election is important but this is a really important election so no matter how you vote make sure firstly you vote and secondly make sure you think about it you know so that um, when you're casting your vote which is something that a lot of people around the world don't get to do um, you know that you're voting for either a person or a party that has the sort of values and the policies that you think are important um, because they're actually, the, the direction of the country is set by the government. So make sure your voice is heard because young people, we're doing this for you and your futures. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show. 